Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Red in the house. Thank you, Ryan Treasure, my friend and co-producer at Voice America World Talk Radio. Happy to be here, Red in the house. And this is Read My Lips Radio. This is week three. We just arrived on the Variety Channel a few weeks ago, and we are thrilled to be here. Today is Monday, June 15th. It is on the East Coast of the U.S. and in other parts of the world, 7 p.m. Eastern. And I will tell you that this is the 166th day of the Gregorian calendar, 167 in leap year. And we always say thank you to Greg, Gregory, whoever created the calendar. We like what you did. There are 199 days left to the end of 2020. So if you're planning to get something special to drink, to imbibe, to forget what happened in 2020, I'd say as soon as your liquor store is locally open, go get something good because there's going to be a run on the good stuff. So I have a very interesting show for you. I think it is. I'm going to be speaking to two ladies who are, I'm going to call them both artists. They approach art in very different ways. One is an artist from her earliest years. Uh, She creates art, paintings, drawings. She now makes her living for 18 years from selling her art in galleries and on commissions. And my light just went out. Let me put it on here. So hold on. We are recording on Zoom and I want to make sure I have enough light. Here we go. Sorry about that. My listeners can't hear me turn the light on, but my viewers can. And um, she has a fabulous way of painting that makes people want to attend gallery openings and buy and commission her work. Her name is Lucy Marlowe. We're also joined by a lady who is very special to me. Her name is Lori Myron Manbeck. And Lori is a psychologist by trade. And she decided at one point, and we'll find out when, to start a company called Inclusivity. And the T on the end is T-E-E, meaning t-shirt. And she gets art from people around the world and creates it into panels that are interchangeable on carry bags, pocketbooks, um, jackets, t-shirts in an interchangeable way. She'll tell us how the devices work, how she figured it all out. And what's most interesting to me about Lori is that she is the producer and sponsor of Artists Who Share, a wonderful online soon, June 25th, art auction, where artists from countries and countries and countries and continents have contributed their art. I think the ages of her contributors range between eight and 91. She'll tell us in a few minutes if I'm right or wrong. And I happen to be one of the proud contributors of original art to Lori's auction, raising funds for COVID-19 recovery. So ladies who are philanthropists, Lucy also is a philanthropist, donating money from her art to wonderful causes. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I am AKA Radio Red. And before I start, let me do a couple of shout outs here and then we'll hear from our special guest today. I like to start off every show with who are the famous birthday people today. So we're not going to sing happy birthday, ladies, but Lori and Lucy, you could hum a few bars. I'm going to try not to sing because nobody would listen to the show. 1954 today, Jim Belushi, the American actor, was born today. How about Terry Gibbs? The same day. Maybe she is Jim Belushi's sister. Who knows? American country music singer and keyboard player. I know she had a song way back when that I loved and listened to over and over. I'll figure it out later. 
Polly Draper was born a year later. She's an American actress, producer, and screenwriter, and she has a wonderful, deep, resonant voice. I always am happy to see Polly Draper show up in some kind of a show, a sitcom or a drama. Uh, Helen Hunt, very famous actress, born in 63. They're all directors, producers, and actresses. I don't know how those three terms all go together in their bios, but nobody's just an actor anymore. They all produce and direct. I think it's wonderful. Courtney Cox, oh, she doesn't direct. She's just a producer and an actress. Very, very well known, married to a rocker, and she's been on so many shows. Uh, she was on the original Friends. There was only one original Friends. Ice Cube, the rapper, producer, and actor, was born today in 69. Leah Remini, I remember her from King of Queens, and she had some interesting personal news over the years about her religious proclivity, shall we say, what types of things she was doing and where she was. She's back in the news. And Neil Patrick Harris, one of my favorite TV film stage actors. And I didn't know he was a singer. Is there anything better than How I Met Your Mother, Neil Patrick Harris? What a cad he was. What an interesting guy. Broadway stage. He does so many things. Very talented. I think he's even hosted the Oscars. Three people you might want to know about passed away today in memoriam. Ella Fitzgerald, singer and actress, born in 1917, passed away this day in 1996, left her mark on music, on jazz, on R&B, on the fabulous voice that she had. She changed the world. Hume Cronin, American-Canadian actor. Lucy is Canadian. Uh, British Columbia. I don't know if that qualifies. He was married to Jessica Tandy. They did famous movies like Cocoon and Casey Kasem. If those of you in the United States ever tune on radio late on a Saturday night and you hear American Top 40, I said I wouldn't sing. Casey Kasem was the co-creator of the American Top 40. He died in 2014 voice actor, producer, radio host, and there's nothing like, listen, I don't care what year it is, even if he's doing the songs of 1976, 1998, hearing Casey Kasem is always a treat. We also have to do a shout out to LLL, our most loyal listener, lovely lanky Laura Legs on Long Island, even though she lives in Whitestone, I say Long Island because it's an L. And Josh, our engineer, says he likes the letter L. So lovely, lanky Laura Legs. Josh can be one of your favorites, too. So without further ado, I'm happy to introduce my first guest. Let's look around the table. I'm going to introduce Lori first. Lori Myron Manbeck. Lori, welcome to Read My Lips Radio. I'm Red. You know me very well. We met at the National Publicity Summit online about a month and a half ago. Lori, why don't you give us a little background on how you went from being a psychologist to a humanitarian, and those might be linked, and how you started inclusivity. Go ahead, Lori, welcome. I'd be happy to. So I am a geriatric psychologist by training, which I love passionately. And about three years ago, I just felt a, a need to do something more. I felt a need to reach more people. I felt a need to give back in a different way and to ensure that the earth was protected and that the people who live here were being protected. So I started the company inclusivity with the goal really of including everybody and trying to create beautiful art and statements and messages that reminded people about being kind and about taking care of each other and again, protecting the earth. And so when I started the company, I continued to be a geriatric psychologist and I still do that part-time now. And I started the company making t-shirts and you mentioned our new product and the new product actually came about as a result of doing t-shirts for several years and realizing that the problem with t-shirts is we have way too many. Most of them are, <laughs> are manufactured in a way that is not earth friendly and we need, but we love the messages. We love to have a way to show these messages over and over. So I tried to think of a product that could do that and you could use the same product for lots of messages. So that's what you were talking about with our panels. It's a, a product, um, 
you can use a bag or a jacket or we're creating other things all the time, but that you can share a graphic from one item to another and you can take the graphic off and put another one on. And so our goal is to create fashion that changes the way we see fashion and helps create a more sustainable future while also raising money and taking care of people in, in our communities who need assistance and need that. Laurie, I love the idea. I love the creativity. That's why you're one of my creatives because you did create the company only three years ago. I did not know that. I thought you'd been doing this a lot longer. The kindness message is beautiful. And I love the idea of interchanging. Can Is it a trade secret or can you tell people a little bit about how you interchange? Go ahead. Yeah, it's snaps actually. So it is um, patent pending. So it is a patent pending design, but it's just snaps. So you snap one design in, you snap another one out. Um, it's really simple and easy and fun and just fun. And, and what are the panels made of? What's the fabric? The panels are made out of hemp and most of the material we use is either hemp or organic cotton. We use some um, lyocell or tensile, which is um, made out of eucalyptus leaves and also very eco-friendly. So our goal is to find the materials that are best for taking care of our, of our world. Lori, this is a huge project. This isn't something you do in, in your spare time in a psychology practice. Excuse me, patients. I got to go out and find what the latest hemp market is doing. One more question before I bring on Lucy. Lori, where do you get the designs? Or do you solicit these from artists around the world? How do you find the designs and are they all original? So we have solicited designs specifically from artists on, on themes that we wanted, but we also sometimes just reach out to artists and say, create something create something beautiful for us and we will print it on a shirt. And right now with the auction, for example, all the designs are completely um, created by the artists and some of them are on panels, some of them are on, in other things, but um, we love having artists be able to use their voice and, and express themselves because there's so much gorgeous art. I also want to say that I felt as a, like I, as a creative, as a psychologist and still do, because a lot of psychology is trying to figure out what's going to help the client. And that's a lot of creativity. And, and I'm also a photographer. There's no stopping to your talents and your creativity, Laurie. Thank you so much. And, and as I said, you met me at the Publicity Summit and you invited me to contribute a piece of art. We'll talk about that later. I want to get more into the auction and how you videotaped me. You Zoom videoed me creating a painting for your auction, which was a thrill. I was so flattered. You, you didn't even know me. And you saw one piece, this piece behind me right now. And you said, I'd like you to contribute. I really thank you, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you. Let's bring in Lucy Marlowe. Lucy, you've been earning your living through art for the past 18 years, you told me, and you started out in the healthcare field as well, even though you've been drawing since you were a very, very little girl. Lucy Marlowe, welcome officially to Read My Lips Radio, and why don't you take over and give us your life story? Go ahead, Lucy. Thank you so much. Uh, I was a daughter of an artist uh, in Europe, and we grew up like a lot of people who grew up uh, kids of artists. It was literally feast or famine. And uh, I stayed away from art for years because I was terrified of putting my family through that. So I went through the other extreme. I was responsible to nauseam. I put myself through school, earning a PhD. I even bought my own house probably by the time I was 21. Just worked very hard and wanted to make sure that I don't have for my family that type of a situation. And then I realized it takes no courage to keep running from something that you're afraid of or to wait for some days to do what you love most. So I decided to slowly but surely give it a chance. 
And I'm still afraid to pinch myself when I say that I paint for a living. And I always jokingly said I clean up well, but I'm happiest covered in paint. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, they have grown. Uh, it's grown to the point where it is in different galleries in the world. That's beyond anything I even dreamed of. And uh, it's a lot of fun. There's nothing more incredible than to do what you love. And to have people responding to it touches my heart beyond anything I can put into words. I haven't forgotten about my background and what I know. I have a PhD in nutrition and I do create special paintings every year that go auction uh, to for science, for medicine and for breast cancer. So that's the best I could do to find a passion and a balance between my two worlds, which I still love both very much. Well, we love you, Lucy. I, I am such an admirer, a fan. I've been on your website. We'll give it in a few minutes. And it's Marlo, M-A-R-L-O Studios, S-T-U-D-I-O-S. One word, M-A-R-L-O, S-T-U-D-I-O-S. I'd like everybody listening to go visit her website and see Lucy standing with a lot of very eager visitors in galleries and see the beautiful paintings on the walls. The, the exhibits are just gorgeous. Lucy, tell us a little bit about your your background, why you got the degree in nutrition and what you did with it. I know you, that you were running clinics. Where was this and what types of, of uh, disciplines were you providing in your clinics? Uh, the reason I fell in love with nutrition is I grew up funny enough with a lot of health problems and nutrition, a nutritionist really helped put me back on my feet. And I fell in love with the concept of helping people. My mom uh, is a physiotherapist and uh, she was an immigrant from Europe and life was hard. And I started by just volunteering at the clinic and little did I know that I would fall in love with it to the point I would grow into 12 years of work and a PhD. And that one, we had the first multidisciplinary clinic in Canada where we had the doctors, medical doctors and holistic practitioners under the same roof. So it was something I loved. It was something I missed, but I had to make a choice. And uh, this truly, I feel, is my calling. And it feels great to be in harmony. It took me years to give myself permission to follow my passion and to allow myself to do what I love most. And that's why it will always remain important to me to keep contributing to health, because I know too well the need out there. And that's what you and Laurie have in common. Laurie is contributing to health post-COVID. I, I think we're starting to come out of it, but the numbers are not always great in many of the states here. And contributing through through uh, donating your paintings, Lucy and Laurie, through the auction. Laura, uh, Lucy, before I go back to Laurie, and I do want to get into the auction, Laurie. Lucy, I want to know, what? how would you describe your style? I know it's colorful. I know it's dynamic. I know it's... <laughs> Free form. I know there are a lot of geometrics. It looks to me almost like a, a Rube Goldberg something with I see inventions. I see I see devices and I see schemes and I see multiple <laughs> themes. How do you create your art? Just tell now our listeners can't see until they go to your website. They can't see, but how would you describe what you do and where do you start? You start with a background, you start with a line, you start with a circle. I, I really want to know as a as a burgeoning artist myself, not anywhere near <laughs> what you do, but as a dabbler, Laurie and Lucy, I call myself a dabbler. That's it. I dabble on the drums, <laughs> I dabble with, with paints. So Lucy, how do you start your paintings? Uh, the creative process for me, I think I, I'm constantly the creative process where I will see a beautiful shade on a tree or a flower or a skirt walking by and I'll notice the perfect shade for something I'm working on. I'm just in love with life and I'm in love with color and uh, I would have to describe my work as abstract. Some people have called it somewhat surrealistic. Uh, the process is just one 
where uh, years and years ago, uh, when I started as a child, I was actually painting realism. And when I opened and ran the clinics, it was so consuming that I didn't pick up a paintbrush for 11 years. And then when I was going through a particularly hard time in my life, I decided to pull out a canvas. My brother encouraged me to. I was having him over for dinner. He found me sleeping the next morning beside the canvas uh, with a paintbrush <laughs> still in my hand. And this is actually what came pouring out. This is what my soul wanted to create where I was no longer restricting myself and allowing myself to just be creative from my soul. I love the way you describe that. I, when I moved here to Durham about two and a half years ago, Lucy and Laurie, I'm talking to both of you. For some reason, I went to Michael's and I bought, a, it's called Artist Loft, I guess is the brand. And it was a, a painter's kit. It was a, a like a big portfolio that zipped up. And inside were a couple of small canvases and many sets of brushes and a package of watercolors and tubes and a package of acrylics and tubes and other odds and ends, some mixing knives and, and a, a almost a pop-up easel that you can put on top of a, it's on my kitchen counter, Lori's seen it, uh, that you can extend up. It's not a full, full floor easel, but it's a, a very nice flexible easel metal where you have a, a tray for the canvas. And I don't know why I bought it. I have no idea. I think it was on sale for 65 bucks and I put it in the closet and it sat there for almost two years. And at that point, I don't know what was going on in my life. I think I was already playing the drums. I, I would wake up in the morning. I would say, got to get the pain kit out. Got to get the pain kit out. I don't know why. Got to get it out. And it took two weeks for me to give myself permission, Lucy Marlowe, to take it out of the closet. <laughs> I took it out of the closet and I put it in the kitchen and I opened it up and I looked at it and said, oh, that's nice. That's what's in there. And I left it there in the kitchen. I have a big kitchen counter shaped like a big keyhole. It's huge. And um, okay, that's interesting. And then a couple of weeks later, I took out one of the canvases and I read the book, a little book and an instruction book, how to use pastels and there are pastels there too, how to use watercolors, how to use acrylics, how to mix colors, how to think about design. I thought that's nice. And I put it back. And then a week or two later, I actually picked up a brush and opened up one of the watercolor kits, the kind you use water on. And I picked up a canvas and I did something. I think I started with paper, with heavy duty drawing paper. And then I moved to canvas. And I have no idea why, but Lucy, when I paint, it's what I tell people, and Lori has heard me say this, it's whatever the brush tells me it wants me to do. I don't say, oh, today's going to be a red painting, or I'll put three angels in the corner and three sunsets in the bottom. I have no idea what's going to turn out. I just start. And uh, before COVID, I had a trainer here twice a week, and I would be in the middle of a painting when he'd come. We'd do our boxing with the mitts, and we'd do our floor exercises and stepping and cardio. And I'd say... Peter, I don't know what this painting is. What do you think? And he said, turn it 90 degrees. I turn it 90 degrees. He said, you see anything? Nope. He said, turn it another 90 degrees. And we turn it on the easel. Okay. And then the third turn was usually the charm. And I would say, oh my God, those are flying fish smoking a cigarette. I didn't know I painted <laughs> those. And, and he would say, okay. And, I, and he wasn't an artist at all. He was just a kid who had a degree in physical therapy, a nice kid. In his 20s. I don't know how he knew. And then I would finish the painting. That's how it started. I have over 45 paintings in my home. I just ordered another 15 canvases. I can't stop. Lucy, you want to comment on that? That sense of spirit of it just wants to come out. What do you think? There is definitely, I would relate to that. There's definitely something that, that wants to come out. It's a passion. It's a desire. Sometimes it feels bigger than me. 
And it's incredible for me sometimes to see what comes pouring out in the sense that it just seems to be a very natural and organic process. And I think so much about life can be sometimes restrictive. And it's so wonderful to have a place where you can keep the inner child alive and just play again. And it's I like fantastic. That. I like the way you put that. Laurie, let's talk about your auction. When did you get this brilliant idea to ask people you meet? I want to know you met me at the Publicity Summit. How did you find the other 35 or 40 artists all over the world? Let's hear about your process. Laurie, go ahead. Sure. So um, in, in when COVID-19 was going on and the pandemic started, we just as a company, inclusivity sort of started talking about it and said, we have to do something to get back to the community. We have to do something to help uh, raise funds for recovery. And so that's really been the theme of the auction from the beginning is how can we help with recovery? How can we help the world feel like a better place? And that continues to be it. And for us, that has always been about inclusion. That has always been about all of us. Our, our recovery our goals about recovery and, and taking care of each other have always been with very strong Laurie, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Lucy, we're getting a lot of noise from your side. I know you're moving around, but it's we got a clicking noise that's interrupting Laurie. So Lucy, I don't even know if she can hear us. I apologize. Okay, now that's fine. That's fine. Go ahead, Laurie. Continue, please. So for us, it's always been about how many people can we bring in? What diversity can we express? Um, who, who is there here? And the auction, I will say, has taken off. It's now over 50 artists, Bonnie, or, or Red. It's now over 50 artists. And they have come from everywhere. So I met you at the Publicity Summit, and I saw a piece of work of yours. I have, you know, artist friends who said, you know, I have an artist from Africa, from Kenya, who would probably love to be in this auction. Can I connect you with him? Um, we have one of our board members or one of our uh, staff actually our COO was in Colombia a few years ago and met a bunch of artists in the country of Colombia and so she reached out to them and said would you like to be in the auction and so it just expanded and grew to this where actually we see the artists as the face of inclusivity because when we look at all your pictures on the screen it is this diverse amazing group and then with that has happened, so that's exploded. And then on top of that, um, we now have a program that's going to go with it, some entertainment, which has also just exploded so that we suddenly have hours of entertainment that will be played during the same few days of the auction. And I do want to say, Bonnie, the dates of the auction are actually changing to July 7th through the 9th because of some of the artists that are coming on to um, for the entertainment piece. So I'm telling you, so you know, and we're going to be sending out an email about that soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Good to know. Lucy, any thoughts about you? You donate paintings to causes too. Any thoughts about how do you pick your causes? You said breast cancer and other health issues. Um, do people come to you? Like if Lori had knocked on your door virtually and said, Lucy, would you donate a painting? Would you have jumped at that chance? Or are you so busy with donations that you have to pick and choose? Lucy? Uh, I already had this conversation with Lori and I will participate next year gladly because I'm also an environmentalist and I really admire what Lori's doing. I respect very much what she stands for and I am very busy, but I will absolutely make the time. I'd like to be a part of that. Uh, in regards to uh, my mom, whom I adore, uh, was an orphan because her mom died from breast cancer at the age of 11. And it's a way of not only honoring my mom to help with breast cancer, but it's also a way of 
honoring too many women, countless women I've known personally and women I've heard about amazing young women who've gone far too early. And my dream, and I did a fundraiser uh, for breast cancer in Canada, I honored my mom. And my dream is that no child has to lose their mom to breast cancer. So I will keep working hard. I think that's a dream a lot of people share the billions of dollars that have been devoted to research. And that's just something we haven't been able to conquer yet. Now we have new diseases to conquer it. It doesn't seem to end. Lori is nodding and she knows. Absolutely. Lori, are you allowed to play favorites in your auction? Are you allowed to say, oh, I love this piece that uh, the crazy socks guy did or the 91-year-old great-grandma did? Do you ever say, I want to, I'm, I'm not asking for my own benefit, but when it comes time to put up the auction, uh, is everything going to be on the screen at once? Is it going to be, here's Bob's painting, everybody bid on Bob's painting, and then here's Mary Jo's painting, and then here's Steve's painting. How is it going to work so that it, is everybody equal? And how do you set the prices? I want to know the mechanics a little bit more, Lori. Go ahead. Um, so we actually have, there's a professional site where you can set up an auction. And so it'll be just like if you went to a silent auction and you were given a, a booklet okay. with all pieces. So the pieces will be in there with, you know, something about the person who donated them and the the medium and the size and all those kinds of things. So you'll be able to see all of that online as well as a really good picture. And then you can place bids that way. So there'll be a program like that. Um, as first picking favorites, I have to say, I love art. And I love that we have an eight-year-old who was in the auction because she said, I want to do something. I want to get back. And I was talking to her grandmother and I said, okay. And we have um, several artists who are in there in high school and go to an arts high school and have donated some really beautiful pieces. And our 91 year old artist has been an artist her entire life and has like Lucy has made a, a living from her art her entire life and donated a piece. So it is, and, and John's crazy socks, you've mentioned that a couple of times. Yep. And what that, that's one of my favorites because John actually really wanted to be in the auction. And what he gave us were five symbols of, of, um, that meant something to him. So the peace sign, for example, he drew that and the word that he put with that was hope. I, I donating this because of hope. So he did five. So we had a quilter make a quilt square with one of his designs. And then I actually made a graphic square with four, his other four designs. And so what I love about it is it's, they're literally collaborative pieces of art based on his work which I kind of, I just like, I love that collaborative nature. I and do too. And in a way, Laura, you and I collaborated because you videotaped me starting a piece. It, it, Lucy, it was amazing to me that Lori even wanted me in the auction, but that she cared enough to say, how are you doing this? And, and it, it asked me questions while I was creating. And I heard a voice from me, me read, talking to you, Lori, sounding like somebody who knew what she was doing with art. And I was saying, well, you know, the color combinations, I, I just really love the way the pinks and the oranges go together and they bring so much life to the painting. And I'm going to add a little glitter here. And you know, this shape isn't ready yet. And it's just forming. And I was talking like somebody, I didn't even know who she was. And I, I listened to, I didn't listen. I haven't seen the video yet, Lori, but I listened to me talking to you and I was flabbergasted because this was a part of me that had never spoken about it before. I could talk to you about drums. I could talk to you about, I'm a professional radio broadcaster business. I have the other, the other me, not the red me, the other me, my other name, which Lori has dropped a couple of times. Um, I, I have millions of people listening all over the world. I know how to tell you how to do that. 
but I didn't think I had the right to say this is how I paint because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. But I'm going to relate it to something else for the two of you. Uh, about, oh, I think five, seven years ago when I was still living in New York, I decided I wanted to write comedy, uh, a play, romantic comedy. And one night, I, I don't sleep a lot. I doubt that either one of you does either. I know Lucy doesn't. Um, I, I went online and I thought, well, how do I start writing a play? So I Googled Playwriting 101 and somebody had a template for how do you set up. First, you set the scene, you give it a title, you set the scene, you put a date on it, and then you describe the characters. And then you go into how many acts or scenes and you start writing dialogue. But each one starts with a description of the setting. And I thought, gee, that's kind of interesting. So I copied their template and I put it into my own Word document and it was the right font. And I think, I don't know whether it was Arial or Helvetica, it was 14 point and you had certain margins and everything was, things were centered and then things were left justified. All that good technical stuff that somebody would want to actually read it and say, oh, this is a play, not a bunch of junk on a page. So I ended up writing a couple of plays, three of them exactly, and produced them on my television series with community theater actors. Nobody was paid, but it was a lot of fun. One of them, we had to have teleprompters for each actress because they were in three plays at the same time and they didn't have time to learn the line. So I said, don't worry, just come and sit and pretend you're not reading the teleprompter. So we set up three. Anyway, it was funny. But my point for both of you is that the characters and the dialogue, once I started, took over the page. Laurie is nodding. Lucy, I think you know what I'm talking about. They spoke to me. I knew them. My experiences were being expressed through them. One was a couple who met on a rather expensive dating site where you were so anonymous, you had a code name like LZWY42Z, and they, and they met at Penn Station, New York, and they had funny masks on with googly glasses and funny noses, and they first introduced themselves in the cab on their way to the dinner date. And I, my director at the time, very creative man, who's still creative, he's in his 80s, taught himself to use green screen, taught himself how to do, he plays multiple characters in his own videos, sometimes four men sitting around a table playing, playing poker, and he plays all four, and he videotapes himself in each position and edits together so there's four guys sitting at the table, and he's all four, different hats, different mustaches, different wigs, different accents. Anyway, he went to New York, he videoed some scenes from the top of his car with the, the moonroof open, and he videoed what traffic would look like from the back of a car. And he brought me the footage, and we got a, a, a shell of a taxi on, or a, not, yeah, it was a yellow cab on, on a video on green screen. We bought it, and we put the video of the traffic and the noises behind it, and even the front of Penn Station. And so we created the scenery for the play. And then the actors were in my TV studio sitting on a green box covered and it looked like they were inside the car. And I bought a toy steering wheel for the driver, the taxi driver, and he was sitting in the front and it, it, it came together so fast. I had no idea what I was doing. To this day, if you handed me that script, I've had people do cold reads of my play. I will sit there and laugh because it's good. It's really, 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 really funny. And so Lucy, like you saying, you don't know, you'll see a color, you'll see a, a color on a skirt or a leaf on a tree. And it just comes into your, your soul and you want to have that in your next picture. And Lori, you saying, I want people to contribute to this, but I'm not sure what that person will be bringing me 
but I'll know it when I see it. I think that's a core. I'm, I'm really fishing here for a core of creativity because that's what this show is, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And I hate to tell you, but I think I'm counting myself among the creatives. Lucy, why don't you talk to that? that how would somebody, I have people who say to me, oh, I wrote a book on, I don't know, how to talk to your partners. I'm a creative person. I say, well, that's not the kind of creativity I'm looking for. Lucy, so the kind of, of, of creativity that drives you as an artist, Lucy, if somebody listening to this show, or I might make this into one of my TV shows for something to talk about, sees the video of the show, and they say, oh, I love what Lucy does. I want to wake up and want to paint every single day. I want to make my living out of it. How would you advise them to find that creative DNA and to start painting? Lucy first and then Lori, because Lori, I want to talk about the people you meet through inclusivity and through your auction. So Lucy, how would you counsel somebody who wanted to do, do art, be artistic for their life's work? What do you say? Their life's work? I had people ask me, uh, do you need to earn a PhD so you can actually survive as an artist and be able to <laughs> feed yourself? I had all kinds of questions. And I've always been known to be a little bit of an idealist. And I do believe that if you're really passionate about something and you adore it and you do it to the best of your ability, that the money will follow. And part of that is really allowing yourself to be unique, to express yourself, to not restrict yourself and to find beauty and inspiration and to actively search for it. And there's this magic that happens all around you. For example, uh, my husband and I winter in Arizona for the last 11 years. And I did, wasn't even consciously aware that the colors that I was choosing had changed during the period because I was inspired by the reds and the spectacular sunsets and the new colors that are around me. And I used more neutrals, which I wasn't even consciously aware until a couple of years later. So it's just allowing ourselves, I think, to be to keep our soul open and to no longer restrict that creativity, just to let that, that part of us free. Interesting choice of words. Let me ask you a question, Lucy. When you have a gallery showing, how do you as an artist feel when somebody says, oh, that one doesn't talk to me, but I like that one. And what's that thing in the corner? It reminds me of a little car I had as a child, or that reminds me of something in my dad's uh, workbench. Uh, reminds me of a wrench in my dad's workbench, or I wish she had used red in the background instead of blue. I would have liked it much better. How do you deal with criticism, with dissection, with uh, commentary that's coming from them toward you, but it is expressed to you? How, how do you feel about that, Lucy, as the artist? Uh, I'm, I'm very much a humanitarian, so I like engaging in conversation, and there's always room to learn and room to share. I think the important thing as an artist is to stay authentic to your art and to your passion and be open to hear what people have to say. I, one of the reasons I paint abstract is because I think art can leave an artist incredibly vulnerable because you're going to the deepest parts of your soul, yes. and I do like speaking in riddles. And I think one of the things that I find heartwarming is when he does speak to people. And one of the things that's interesting is to hear the feedback and it will speak differently to different people. And as an artist, I can never predict. I had paintings that over the same evening at an exhibit would get 15 offers. Well, there would be six or seven others still available. So it's hard to predict what will speak to people, but it's also fun to see what happens. Interesting. I loved your use of the word vulnerable. 
Very interesting. Lori, let's turn to you. You are, you are eliciting, not soliciting, eliciting art from people around the world for your auction. You may not care for some of the pieces you get, Lori, but I know you respect and admire and are appreciative of what you get. So do you ever give feedback to your artists? Well, Bob, we weren't looking for really a shoe. We were looking for a shoe on a foot of a person going to a concert. We want more action. Do you ever say that to your artists, Lori? Or are you just open arms and say, I love it. How do you deal with that? Because you say, I love it to me all the time about my paintings. Well, and so. I do love your paintings. Um, and I want to tell a story about your painting in a minute. But um, I, so if I'm asking someone to make something for the company and I have a vision, so we're making a t-shirt about kindness and hockey, and I have a vision in my mind about what I want that to look like, then I give feedback. But that's more of a design at that point. It's the artist's vision, but it's more of a design also. So it's more of a, a customer asking for something. If I, like with the auction, I have just said whatever you want to contribute to the auction is we will take. We, we are happy to have it. And, and there are pieces clearly that I would want to hang in my home and other pieces that I might not choose to hang in my home. I will say across the board, there's just spectacular things. And that's what I, one of the things I love about art and one of the things I love about artists. So from the artists that I've interviewed, I think one of the key components is just what Lucy was saying is be open. I, the 91 year old artist said to me, what I would say to young artists coming up is try everything. Mm. Because you're not going to know if that's a thing you love until you try it. And sometimes the things that you had, had she said, I didn't know I'd like metalworking until I started doing metalworking. I had no idea that I would want to do batik until I started it. So I think that from her perspective, and I kept hearing that over and over, is this bravery to jump. And I think that that's the creative spirit that for some people doesn't even manifest itself in, in art, in visual art. It might manifest itself in playwriting or it might manifest itself in um, creating a new curriculum for students. There are all mm. sorts of ways to be creative and use that willingness to jump and try new things. I, I want to quickly tell a story about your art, Bonnie. Because plenty of time. Plenty of time. Take your time. Go ahead, Lori. Um, so Bonnie originally was designing. Red. I'm, so sorry, red. <laughs> I'm trying to split my personas here. It's okay, of dear. Red. So, so uh, I apologize a lot. Red. Red um, created this piece for us and we were going to um, cut it into a size where it could be used on the panel. And so you sent the piece to me, it was a larger canvas, but we were just gonna cut the part of the canvas and you created pretty much where the panel would be. We got it and my husband and I both looked at it and we said, you know, we, we can't cut Red's painting. Like this, we love this and we wanna see it finished. We wanna see what the other two inches or four inches was gonna look like if you finished it. And so I actually sent it back to you, Red, and asked you to finish off the piece, which was made us feel so much better because I would rather have your piece as a finished piece that's exactly the vision you had than to have a piece that fit, in this case, that fit the panel. It was just not a necessary thing. So anyway, I just wanted to say that's how much I loved your piece. Is Thank that you. You're very kind. What happened was I didn't have many canvases left because I sometimes I'll do three in a day, Lucy, three in a day. I just, they're small. They're not that yours are insulation size. Mine could be 11 by 14, 12 by 12, 14 by 14. I, I bought $150 worth of canvases a year and a half ago from Michael's for on sale for 70% off. I think it was like 75 bucks. I filled the shopping cart so full. It was, it was overflowing. I had no idea what I was doing. I just said, Oh, I'm going to paint all my canvases. I had no idea. So anyway, when Lori asked me, 
I only had, I wanted to do it quickly for you, Lori, and I only had a couple of canvases left at the time. This was uh, already in COVID. That's right. We met on the virtual publicity summit. So I couldn't exactly run to the store and get anything. So I had a 12 by 16. You wanted 12 by 10 for the panel. So I drew a line where the the uh, 12 tall, I drew a line where the 10 inches were and the rest from 10 to 16 was left bare. And there was actually a pen line, a blue pen line, fine marker line down. And I put my signature inside that line. And that's what I sent you. I was so flattered when you sent it back to me, Lori, because you wanted more. What's interesting was I let it sit on the on my easel on the counter for a couple of days when I got it back. And I said to myself, what am I going to do? What if I'm not inspired? What if I don't have anything else to say on this painting? I don't know. And I just let it sit there a day or two. And then one night around 11, 12, uh, sometimes it's a choice. Do I go to bed and get a good night's sleep or do I stay up and do something like make another painting or oh, I get set up for another radio show? It's always a creative choice with me. Or I watch some TV until I pass out on the couch. Well, this particular night I said, I got to go back to the painting. So I picked up the paints and the I had one out of gold glitter, Lori. I paint with a, uh, Lucy, I paint with a glitter glue. You can see it on the painting behind me, Lucy. You can see the outlines of the glitter on the shapes. So that's, that's, um, they sell little bottles for $1.99 at Michael's. I just bought 18 more bottles of glitter because <laughs> I, I bought every gold they had, every silver they had. I added black and purple and iridescent pink. And I love red and teal. And I got purple, 18 bottles. I just said to the girl, don't ring me up yet. I've just filled my arms with these little tiny bottles. And I just kept putting them on the counter. I said, Can, there was nobody else there in the store. And she said, okay, just keep bringing me more. And I kept, I, I, I could have bought another 50. I don't know. Half the bill was for, for the glitter. Any Anyway, you squeeze it out of a little tube and you, you can make outlines and shapes. Anyway, so my point was that I looked and I said, got to finish this for Lori. And all of a sudden, the building started. It, it's a, a city. I call it the city that glitters. The building started taking shape and different spires on the top. And one has little curly cues you'll see around the out. And they each have a door with a handle. Sometimes the handle is a square. Sometimes it's a circle. Sometimes it's a heart. And I put more silver glitter to define the verticals on the buildings. And then I was done. It didn't take long at all. And I thought, how can I make Lori happy? She was nice enough to say it. I, wa I wasn't insulted. Watch it. I was like, no, you said finish the painting. And I thought I've been given a second chance, but the pressure was on. I want to, I want to uh, reflect on something Lucy said, you said, Lucy said, with your art, you're not restricted. I'm thinking Lucy, as you were talking, let me go to gallery view so I can get us all on screen here. I'm thinking um, that we are all have been told from childhood. Tell me if you're all feeling the same way. You have to do this. You have to do that. You can't wear white after Labor Day. If you have fish, you have to have white wine. Um, you can't wear last year's fashions. You can't have the wrong color lipstick. If you're too young, you can't do this and that. If you're too old, you're told you can't do this and that, right? Uh, Women over 40 shouldn't have a certain color lipstick on and shouldn't have a certain length of hair. Uh, women under girls under 20 shouldn't try to look like older women. Older women shouldn't try to look like younger women. Uh, you have to have the right car. You have to have the right bicycle. You have to have the right motorcycle. We are judged, restricted all the time. That's just the way it works, right? Community, society, civilization, people have their values and their preferences. So Lucy, what you're saying is when you do your art, you don't have to give a damn what anybody says, right? Similar with music. You just you just do what's in your soul. Lucy, talk to me. 
I literally do what's in my soul. And it's been very freeing because when I was a young girl, I was brought up in a very old-fashioned European family. And I heard a lot of what you were talking about. And I used to model many moons ago. And you have an image. You have to do this. As a doctor, you have to do this. You have to do that. I love being an artist. I can wear fruit on my head if I want. I'm free. (laughs) (laughs) And all joking aside, it's more about, again, just giving yourself permission. I respect other people and their opinion. But at this age, I've learned that I'm allowed to just be myself. And that's all I've ever wanted to be. And it's wonderful to finally feel free to do that and to pursue that. And I was touched by what Lori said in regards to your painting, because it was very clear to me that she understands the soul of an artist and respects the creative process. So that was really nice. Very heartwarming. I'm so flattered to be called an artist by either one of you. It's it's so funny. I, I started taking drum lessons a little over a year ago. And within six weeks, I was playing with the adult band at the school where I was taking playing, air, um, uh, what you would call it, Aerosmith, Dream On. I had no idea what I was on stage in front of like 100 people in the back <laughs> playing drums. It was I've done a lot. Of, I've emceed bachelor auctions on Long Island where I'm in front of 500 women who were drunk out of their minds with checkbooks <laughs> bidding on bachelors who were falling down. They were so scared they were drinking and they were falling on my feet on the stage. And I was selling men for $800, $900 for cancer care. Anyway, I, I've done a lot of stage work, but and I've danced on stage. I was a, a dancer. I had a professional partner years ago, but this just completely almost destroyed me. And I took those sticks and I thought, oh my God. And then at one point, one of the men in the band turned around to me for the first time, never in our rehearsals. And when he was ready to end the song, he lifted up his guitar, the neck of his guitar, and he looked at me and came down together. And that's when I hit the final, final bang on the kick and the snare on, and, and then on the, on the, uh, the cymbal. And it was, it welcomed me in as a musician. But anyway, then I started going to open mic nights around town and I, I wouldn't play for a couple months. And finally somebody signed me up and they said, where's my name? Where's, let's just say red. I happen to have my sticks in my purse. She's got sticks in her purse, let her come up. And I said, what am I going to play? And they said, what do you like? I said, Mustang Sally. All of a sudden, five or six really good musicians are there playing Mustang Sally. and I'm on the drums and there's like 50 people in the place. And I said, oh my God, I just came alive. I, I played my version. I, I gave them the background, you know, the sticks. I gave them the rhythm, the beat, the speed, the cadence, and they played and they played. Eventually they were playing nine or 10 minutes on each of my songs. I could do three songs in 30 minutes. People were saying, oh my God, we, we, we have to revive her. It's a hundred degrees in the corner of that stage. Anyway, the creative freedom through music is something. And I have a friend in New York. I, I know Laura, who's listening knows this story, but I'll tell it to the two of you. When I came down here, he said to me, are you serious? Drums? You? At your age? What are you thinking? Why aren't you going on cruises with the ladies in your 55 plus community? Why aren't you going to book clubs? Why aren't you playing cards? What business do you have playing the drums? Are you serious? I said, we're not going to talk for a couple of days. I have to let this blow over. I couldn't even talk to this person. We'd been friends for eight years. The judgment, Lucy, the judgmental, you shouldn't do this because you're quote unquote to all. Well, I did it with a vengeance at that point. Laurie, do you know people who, who do that? Say, you tell me no, and I'm going to do it 100%. Laurie, any comments? <laughs> I think that's a really healthy attitude. <laughs> I think but- I think. 
if to do anything that gives you pleasure, we need pleasure. And this, as you mentioned, this has been a hard time for a lot of people. And I think if you can find anything that gives you minutes of of moments of abandon and pleasure and joy, that's a wonderful thing. And if you're creating with it, I plan to to actually take up percussion at some point. It's been on my my plan for a while. At some point I'm doing it. So maybe not the drum, a drum set. I'm thinking the box. I have a, a really wonderful. The cajon. The cajon. Who plays, yeah. Who plays just the box and I love it. So I, I think it's fantastic. Lucy, any thoughts about music as another creative outlet where there are no rules really? I adore music. I've studied music, which made me appreciate people who actually have talent in the field, unlike me. <laughs> but I think it's an incredible place to explore and I think it's one of the greatest gifts the world has. Like, I cannot imagine the world without music. And so I'm a very big fan from classical to jazz. To, I absolutely love it, but do not have any talent, unfortunately. You may be surprising yourself one of these days. You may. <laughs> I, I promise never to sing in public. And I was taking singing lessons and my, my vocal coach decided that I would do vampy songs like Fever by Peggy Lee and like... Mm-hmm. Uh, My Heart Belongs to Daddy by Eartha Kitt, where I'm almost whispering, not a lot of singing. I I do sing on key. My range is good, but I don't sing well, if you know what I mean. I'm not a good singer. So we, we played with those vampy, campy songs where it's all at, and my heart belongs to daddy. I can do that very, very well. I don't have to sing the whole song, but I can express it. So if I ever go, my, I run an open mic here in my community and we're still shut down. But if we ever go back, I probably will ask a couple of the musicians to play the melody for My Heart Belongs to Daddy. And I, will, I won't do the drums while I'm doing it, but I will vamp it with a wireless mic and a boa. You know how that goes. I have a quick story for you, Lucy. We have about six minutes left. Um, if either of you ever watches the Showtime series Billions, Okay, it stars Paul Giamatti and um, I can't remember the uh, Damien, Damien, uh, somebody or other. I'm sorry, I forget his name. Not Damien, might be Damien Lewis. Uh, it's about hedge funds. It's about investing. It's about boiler rooms for stocks, buying and selling. It's, it's big time. And, and a, uh, a New York DA who's trying to shut them down because of illegal doings. But the point is, at one point, Axe Capital, played by Damien, it's not Damien Lewis, it's somebody else. He, um, he, he wants to commission work from an artist who one of his rivals has already bought a painting from, Lucy. And he goes to the artist, he says, what's it going to take? And the guy says, I'm sorry, I don't paint on command. I paint what I want. If you see something you like, you can buy it. And he maneuvers the guy into a corner where he says, okay, I will create for you. Well, of course, he has painter's block at that point. And the pressure is, when am I going to see my, pa- we're talking huge installations, Lucy, huge installations. When am I going to see my painting? And then one of the women who works for the Capitol guy, his, his industrial psychologist, Lori, who gets into the traders' heads and helps making them more productive. She ends up having an affair with the painter and they figure out that she's seeing him and she, she has seen a preview of the little bit he's done. Well, to get this guy moving, the, the billionaire investor, the guy who owns the Capitol company, has somebody knock on the door of the studio of the artist. He opens the door. Who is it? They said, we're here for the viewing for the grand opening. He says, excuse me. And a caterer. She was so, she was somebody in New York catering, obviously very well known because she announced her name and everybody in the viewership was supposed to say, 
oh my God, you got her for the show. Anyway, it's one of those, well, I'm Mary from Mary's uh, box lunch, whatever it was. It was a big deal. She comes in, they set up champagne, they set up hors d'oeuvres, they had waiters. And the next thing you know, a hundred people descend on the studio. The thought was, what the hell is this pressure on the artist? He's not ready. He said he wasn't ready. And he is finding people are admiring his other works that weren't sold yet. And he's getting a lot of feedback. And at one point, somebody is saying, well, I see the universe in that one. And I see this. And the girlfriend, the psychologist walks over and says, the artist really doesn't appreciate being dissected like that. And it turns out the woman is a socialite with a seven-figure bank account. And she not only wants to buy all of his paintings, but commission him too. He links his arm in hers and walks off with her and leaves the girlfriend behind. So the the uh, the capital guy comes over to the to, to the girlfriend. He says, see, seven figures, talks money. He's willing to listen to her. And it was quite an interesting little vignette. Yes, three minutes left. Thank you, Josh. Quite an interesting vignette about how this pure artist couldn't be bought. He couldn't be rushed. He couldn't be hurried. He was finding his muse, finding his inspiration, but a very wealthy dame comes along twice his age. And she says, oh, I think I see this. I think I said, oh, I'm all ears. I'm happy to listen. Lucy, how do you separate commercialism from, from art? Just a quick comment because we're almost out of time. Lucy, any advice for artists? I had to really think about it. And the place that I found is I, I refuse to restrict creativity. And therefore, I will create a commission. And the deal is, if they love it, they buy it. And if they don't, they return it to me and I keep it. So that's been what I do. And thank, thank God, so much. far it hasn't happened. But one of these days, so, so far, so good. So far, so good. I can give you each about 30 seconds. We just have two minutes left for a closing comment. And it's been, I feel like I'm sitting with two really, really good friends and kindred spirits. I'm so honored, Lori Myron Manbeck, to have you on the show and Lucy Marlowe as well. I know you two are friends and it's just, I'm honored that you're taking time out of your lives. I didn't say your busy day. I said out of your lives, which are busy always to share with me. So Lori, why don't you give a final uh, 30 second comment out to the world? Anything, anybody you want to say shout out to? Uh, the artist who share is going to be a magnificent auction and program and to everybody out there, find your creative spirit and kind of go with it and take care of each other and breathe and slow down. I like that. I will slow down for five minutes after the show. Lucy Marlowe, you get uh, 30 seconds. Go ahead. Thank you, Red. I think the slow down was good advice for me too. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> I just uh, wanted to thank you. It was a real pleasure. And what I would really like to say is just go for your passion. Go for your passion. Do what you love most. That's the best advice I could give anybody. Wonderful words of wisdom. Find the artist inside of you. Don't be restricted. Don't be judgmental. Don't allow other people. Put it in a closet or a bathroom or do it on the roof when the weather's good. You don't have to show it to other people, right? The art can be for you. It's your expression. That's what I do. I, I let some people see my art, but I don't make a, make a point of that. But you saw it, Laurie, and you're going to do something with it. I hope I raise a good amount of money for you. I want to thank both of you so much. I want to thank Josh, our engineer at Voice America, the Variety Channel. Josh, thanks for sticking around and helping getting us on the air. 30 seconds to go. Lucy Marlowe and Laurie Myron Manbeck, I want you all to join me in the big moi kiss. We close all the shows with moi. This is a moi of love and kindness and art and creativity to the world. Radio Red signing off. Here we go, ladies. Hold it as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
Over and out. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host aka Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a positively cool creative week.